Ladies and gentlemen, sit back and get comfortable. But not too comfortable. It's the WCHL Podcast with WCHL Commissioner Christopher Perry and Curtis Johnson. Yes, indeed it is. This is the WCHL Podcast, and I am the Commissioner Christopher Perry, and on the other end of the line is the broadcaster for the University of Central Oklahoma Broncos, two-time national champion, Curtis Johnson. Curtis, say hello to the people. What's going on, Chris? Happy to be here, and I even made the credits this week. I'm looking forward to it. How about that? I put a little <laughs> bit of Bing Bong and KJ in there, and I like it. Let's go. Let's go. <laughs> All right, Curtis. We've uh, let's let's get to this. We've finally resumed some games after the Thanksgiving break. Curtis, you're you're from Canada. Do you mm-hmm. do you partake in American Thanksgiving? I do because I am married to a fine American lady, and we do we do celebrate American Thanksgiving every Thursday, and we even try to celebrate Canadian Thanksgiving on the first. What is it? The first Monday of October, too. So we oh, get two Thanksgivings. There you go. There you go. Now, how how is Canadian Thanksgiving for for us dummies that don't know much about it? What's uh, what's the difference between Canadian Thanksgiving and American Thanksgiving? I would describe it as the exact same thing, Chris. We eat the same foods. Uh, you know, there's always a turkey, gravy, mashed potatoes, all the same good stuff. Lots of pie. Yeah. Uh, we just celebrated it sooner, and it's. The heritage is just a little bit different. It's the reason we celebrate it sooner is to celebrate sort of like the harvest season okay. uh, before winter comes. So Very it's nice. a little bit different than like kind of what Americans celebrate it for, but now, essentially the same thing. On on Canadian Thanksgiving, do are there CFL games that are played, or is it, um, is it just NHL games all the time, all day, every day? <laughs> Canada's all 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 about the NHL. Um, I think the CFL season ends. I see. I'm not even a big CFL guy. This tells you what I know. I think the CFL season before ends before. No, that's not right. The CFL is definitely still going. We okay. just don't watch it. I don't watch it. Yeah. Okay. Well, hey, fair enough. Fair enough. All right. Well, hey, I'm. I'm. We're back. We've. We took the week off for Thanksgiving, not the podcast, but uh, hockey ACHA to celebrate American Thanksgiving, and we finally had a week of games. So uh, we've got something to talk about. Um, the, uh, let's just do real quickly from the ACHA, the 30,000 foot, uh, point of view, the announcement for the 2024 nationals is not out yet. It's coming soon. I will tell you that I got the last piece to the puzzle that I need to put together a press release. So, uh, nice. that's probably going to come out later on this week. Um, nice. maybe Thursday. So, uh, there we go. yeah, uh, we had a big announcement, uh, to, uh, what last week. And then another big announcement today regarding the world cup of university hockey last week, they announced the head coaches, Adrian colleges, Gary Ostalos, um, will coach the, uh, team from the ACHA that's representing the United States and Calvin universities, Mike Petruzma will represent, uh, he'll coach the team representing Canada. And then today we had the announcement regarding the assistant coaches and we've kind of teased this a little bit, at least for the you know thirteen or fourteen listeners that we have. Um, two WCHO coaches were were named to the coaching staff. Um, UCO's Mike Rivera 
along with um, Indiana Tech's Frank DiCristofaro. They're going to be on staff, the assistants for uh, the team for the USA. And then Missouri State's Jeremy Law and Robert Morris University's Michael Joseph. Those two guys will help out uh, Coach Petruzma for the Canadian team. So that's kind of nice to have two coaches from the WCHL appointed to this international staff. Yeah, it's a little feather in the cap for the league, Chris. I mean, it shows the strength of the league. It shows essentially what the rankings show, right, that there's a good chunk of the teams in the top 25 are WECHL, and it shows, again, the the strength of the two coaches that have been nominated and selected to go over to to Romania to represent their two countries. Can you you believe it, Romania? Man, that's the one thing that would bum me out. You know, get named Cartel to the staff. Romania, I know, right? Yeah, you know, someone said I'm not even saying it right. It's Carta. It's more like Charsha. It, it's it's is weird. It, is it Carta or is it Chartra? Chartra, something like that. Chartra, eh? Yeah. Who knows? It's Romania. That's all I know. Um, and I'm. And it is uh, a small little village. I'm looking at it right now on Google Maps. It is a small little area in Romania. Yeah, yeah. The the this is an ACHA event. And I can now that the, the the cat's out of the bag in terms of the coaching staff, we can also say that the ACHA president Paul Hebert is going to go on this trip. The ACHA executive director Craig Barnett's going to go on this trip. The ACHA men's division one commissioner Brian Moran will be on this trip. Um, the ACHA, um, I guess you would call him chief medical officer slash um, go to interviewer Rasty McGibbon from nationals he'll be going on this trip so uh coach rivera and coach law will be soaring with uh some eagles or turkeys depending on how you see the acha um i i I prefer to think with uh they're soaring with eagles but um we'll see but yeah that's kind of cool i was grateful to see i was grateful to know that uh coach rivera was uh selected and i was also uh you know very relieved, uh, not relieved, that's not the right word. I was very pleased that um, uh, Coach Law was selected. And they were both, um, well, I mean, I can say this, I'm not talking out of school, they were they were both the first picks for assistance. Yeah. So uh, they, the reason why the delay came is because they had to fill the second spots. And, uh, there you uh, go. And uh, I'll tell you, the, the Canadian uh, uh, coaching spots were hard to fill. Um, they had some hmm. folks turn it down, and there was a uh, another assistant spot on the American side that was uh, turned down. So, uh, kind of interesting, I guess. Those whoever yeah. turned it down, they did, really didn't want to go to Romania. But uh, Coach <laughs> Coach Rivera and Coach Law were were the first two from their uh, respective sides that were selected, and they were the first two to uh, come back and say, "Yes, I'm in." So that's awesome. Yeah. Uh, I mean, coach law, uh, he's, uh, he's done a great job since taking over the icebergs. I mean, he's, he's done it now, I think for six or seven years, I want to say something like that. Yep, and six years came up from like the WCH or WSHL did a great job there. And he's obviously turned icebergs into again, a perennial top 25 team started in the division three, if I remember right. And then they joined our division one, I think my freshman year, 2015, was their first year in the league. That's correct. So, then, yep. I mean, he's done a he's done a fantastic job with them. And then again, they're always, you know, a tough team to play against. They always have a it's a great atmosphere in Missouri State. And I mean, 
again, he's done an awesome job with that program. Their their task is going to be uh, now to identify 22 players, uh, 22 right. Americans, 22 Canadians that are willing to take 10 or 11 days out of the uh, out of their April and right. uh, go to Romania to play hockey. So uh, good good luck to those guys. I got a funny feeling. This is just me, Curtis. I got a funny feeling. There's a lot of Canadians on the UCO team that might. There is going- a good chunk of good Canadians, but there's also a good chunk of Americans too that I think that again. Let's talk talk real quickly about Coach Rivera. I mean, yeah. I've, I've known Mike a long time. Uh, I guess I can call him Mike. He is. Uh, he was a captain when I played at school. Uh, he was our most valuable player of the year. We won nationals. He was also our assistant captain. And since he's taken over, the program is, I mean, it's not lost a step at all. He's taken it over. He went to, again, runner-up last year. He's a fantastic coach. His eye for detail. The amount of prep that he does, I mean, I get to see it firsthand. The amount of prep that he does and the amount of work that goes into making sure that UCO is a perennial powerhouse, I mean, I can't say enough good things about him. So, He's got a lot of options, honestly. There's a couple of players on UCO that could definitely go over for both nations. Well, that, that's what I was going to get at is that uh, not there's a lot of Canadians that I think Coach Law is going to be selecting, but there's also uh, a fair uh, contingent of you know top-notch American players that might be able to go. Yeah, so, and then and then if you look around, I think there's a couple of Canadians on the UNLV and uh, Arizona State squads. I think there's a couple sure. of Americans on the UNLV Arizona and Arizona state squads that might be uh, up for some contention. And uh, there might be one or two from Utah. Um, So, you know, we'll see. And that's just from the WCHL. There's, you know, they're going to try to get the 22 best that they can from the entire conference or from the entire Mm -hmm. ACHA men's division one. So I would expect a fair amount of, you know, folks out of uh, off the Adrian's and off of the Stony Brooks of the world. Um, yeah, Minot State. Obviously, that's typically a, a school that can recruit pretty heavily from Canada because it's so close to the border. So yep. there are probably a lot of players from Minot State that are in contention as well. Yeah, so I got a, I got a feeling uh, it's going to be interesting, and uh, I, I got a feeling it'll be a pretty good little team that's uh, that's put together. I, you know, I wouldn't be at all surprised yeah. if uh, you know a kid from Maryville makes the team. If you see sure. a kid off of uh you know jamestown's also up there in north dakota they get a couple yeah. of canadians yeah. so uh but they also get uh a f- their fair amount of you know homegrown north dakota kids too for from kids from minnesota to come over and play hockey so what's the timeline chris for them to sort of name the roster do you have any idea on like when that might happen uh i don't my guess is that it's going to probably be by the end of january um okay. my i know that they're identifying folks right now sure. and there's even mm-hmm. a player interest form um that's up on the acha website right on the very front right. page a little button if you want to you know if your coach hasn't nominated you um right. or suggested then you can throw your own hat in the ring and uh that will go directly to the coaches so my th- my guess curtis is is that they're going to uh take this break uh, to sure. contact kids and identify them and uh, then contact them to see if there's any interest, and then uh, so hopefully by January they'll they'll have it fleshed out. You know, right. I, my my guess is, you know, I think a huge target will be the Nevada uh, UNLV goaltender uh, Wixon. Uh, he's uh, from Canada. My I think there's a Adrian goaltender who's uh, 
who's also uh, a Canadian, so I think he'll be going. I think uh, um, isn't uh, help me out. Ben Kelch isn't he Canadian as well? Ben Kelch is Canadian. Yep. There you go. I think those could be uh, one, two, and three in terms of targets. Mm-hmm. Um, at least from the Canadian side and on the American side, I, I obviously we've got uh, we've got some uh, possibilities. You know, whether it's uh, down at Arizona uh, with uh, Nolan Bivolchik, or um, even I think there's. Uh, I think the goaltender at Liberty, if, if for some reason, even though he has a funky name like a Russian name, I think he's an American. So Verostek, yeah. So there's some there's some quality uh, uh, quality folks that are out there. You know, now there's now it's just going to be convincing, right? Let's yeah, keep, exactly. Let's keep playing hockey. You know, four weeks after nationals, let's. Uh, it's going to cost a little bit of money to go. And uh, it's going to cost, you know, 10, 11 days out of your schooling. Uh, so, you know, can you afford to take that much time off uh, I mean, from school? I, if, I would never get approached because I wasn't good enough. But I think that if somebody was to approach you, that's something you got to consider. The ability to represent your nation at, at anything, honestly, right? Whether it's, I don't know, lawn darts or <laughs> tiddlywinks. Like if you get to go do something for your country and rep- get to wear the, you know, the Canadian flag or the red, white, and blue. Yeah. I mean, I think it'd be very hard for people to turn it down. I, right. I'm not saying that their p- kids won't, but I mean, that's, that to me just seems like the opportunity you can't pass up. I, yeah. I, I think if you can make it work, make it work, even if it's in Romania. Yeah. So 100%. lucky for me, uh, they haven't asked me. Um, so, uh, I'm not going to go. I'm going <laughs> to, I'm going to stay here in the flatlands and, uh, just enjoy it from afar. There you go. So, All right. Hey, we're going to have a new ranking come out uh, tomorrow. Uh, We're recording this on Tuesday night. Uh, The next ranking, including which will include all the games played after Thanksgiving, will come out tomorrow. In the most recent ranking that came out the Wednesday before Thanksgiving, there were six WCHL teams in the top 25. Um, UNLV is number four. Central Oklahoma is number five. Uh, Arizona State was number 12. Arizona 18. Utah 20. And Colorado State 25. And then if you go with the computer all the rest of the way, Missouri State was 31, Colorado's 34, Grand Canyon 36, and Oklahoma 46. There's been a a couple of games that have been played since then. My guess is that the rankings tomorrow won't change all that much. Uh, I think the same six teams from the Western Collegiate Hockey League will still be in the top 25. And, uh, you know... They might move around in terms of you know their spots. I think the top five is or top seven is probably pretty much set in stone right now. They just don't seem to be moving all that much. Mm-hmm. So uh, you know, Minot State's number one, Liberty's number two, Adrian three. Then we have UNLV and Central, and then Jamestown and Ohio. I think those seven are pretty much locks for those spots one through seven. The question will be, you know, will they shuffle around? Uh, yep. you know, through, you know, well, there might be a little bit of movement. Someone might move from four to three. Someone might move from, you know, five to four, that sort of thing, but not a whole lot. Yeah. It's all about the computer, right? It's all about those A and B rankings, whether or not you sort of win, I think is the one ranking and whether or the other one is pretty much just like how much you win by. That's so, exactly right. Yep. Yeah. It just kind of puts it in there and whatever, whatever comes out with the average is your ranking. So it'll be interesting to see based on, 
kind of – I don't think – the strength of schedule sort of play into that too a little bit, Chris. I've never really been explained this, well, the, it, sort it, of the A and the B, the difference. It, it, it does. It does, and that has to do um, – and because the computer takes into account in uh, now Curtis understand I'm not I've been told I'm not a hockey guy I'm also not a mathematician or a statistician but the way I understand it is the the computer takes into account uh, strength of schedule by way of um, how you've performed throughout the season and how you've performed against your opponents and also how they've performed since they've played you so if you've played a a killer schedule and iron is sharpening iron, even right. though you've lost all your games, you could still have the potential to, you know, be highly ranked. You're eventually going right. to plateau, but yeah. be, just because of who you're playing, you will get a high rank. Now, right. it, the converse of that is true too. If you're playing absolute dog meat, even though you're winning yep. all the games, you're going to get ranked, you know, somewhere in the thirties, um, even sense. though you're undefeated because you're playing weaker teams. So it does take into account both their game performance as well as the, um, uh, the, 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 who, who it is that you're playing and how they've, how they're doing on the season. So the, like what their ranking was when you played them or what their ranking has gone to since sort of thing. Exactly. Exactly. So like, like for instance, this, and we'll get to it here in a sec, but central Oklahoma played, uh, Oklahoma over the week. That was a number five versus a number 46, Right. Oklahoma gets the benefit of playing number five. UCO mm-hmm. kind of gets penalized for playing 46. And so okay. there's your strength of schedule. And then the game, right. the game outcome uh, determines the, uh, you know, does, will Oklahoma rise from 46 or right. will they stay where they are? Will central Oklahoma stay at five or will they drop back? Um, you know, or, you know, if they throttled Oklahoma, you know, would they move up a spot? So the higher you get on that chain, too, remember there's only you can't go too much higher. So the, there's more volatility at the back end of the rankings than there is right. at the top of the rankings because there's more room to maneuver at the back mm-hmm. end. Whereas at the top, there's only you know there's only one top you know top team and there's only you know five top five teams. So you can't can't move around as much once you're up there. Yeah. Right, that makes so, sense. Kind of like a pyramid, and it right? Does, it it kind of does show the strength of schedule. It's kind of nice. The uh, ACA, the whole they print like the whole uh, the spreadsheet out now, and they post it on Twitter, so you can kind of see league averages too, which is kind of cool that they've done this year. Yeah, it is. So it, again, it shows to the strength of the WCHL our league average twenty three points, which is at the top of the food chain. Yep. It shows again the strength of the schedule. So. Yeah, well, and that's all due to the to the great teams, right? It's uh, right, exactly. I mean, we've yep. we've got a pretty darn good group of teams, and that the five teams on the west side are just that's a brutal gauntlet to run over there with the Arizona teams and the Nevada yep. and Utah, and then over here yep. on the east side with the two Oklahoma teams, Missouri, um, I mean Missouri State, and the two Colorado teams. That's a little less of a gauntlet, but they're still going to make you earn a win every night. Right. So it's there's no there's no laydowns there's no uh, yeah there's no freebies <laughs> there's no freebies that's for darn sure yeah so yeah. all right um so that's the ranking coming out hey let's get to it let's talk about the games that happened here uh, that resumed after the Thanksgiving break uh, let's first let's deal with the non conference games Missouri State went on the road you know Missouri State has a reputation this season at least of being great at home and not so good on the road. But they, uh, they they got a little bit of that out of their way. They went on the road to go play at Alabama. 
Curtis, in your career, did you ever have the pleasure of going to play at Alabama? I never did, actually. No, I did not. That's probably a good thing. Um, that would <laughs> I think be. They came to play us. I think in sophomore year they came to play us. Okay. I think. Right. And they're they're not a bad team, and they no, they're definitely not. They've they've got a. I mean, you got to love that uh, that iconic. Um, uniform look that they have um, they right. they try to replicate the uh, the football look of the maroon with the big white stripe down it but uh did not work out so well for uh for alabama on saturday missouri state came to town and it was a late it was a late start game it shows here online that the game was supposed to go at 8 30 i'll tell you the game probably got going around 10 after 9 and it didn't finish until like a little after uh, 11, closer to 11.30. But Missouri State uh, brought out the whipping stick and beat up on Alabama 7-2 to two on the first night. And then they had to hang on for dear life on Sunday afternoon and uh, complete the sweep with a 7-5 to five win over Alabama. Yeah, they did. And, uh, I mean, Alabama's goalie in the first game, he had 46 saves. So he was, he was busy. Missouri State definitely w- it wasn't for a lack of... Uh, lack of trying to obviously open that up even more, but they weren't uh, weren't able to put any more past him. But I mean, seven goals, but he did have almost fifty shots. Yeah, yeah, and and, and they just kept coming in in waves. And yep. Alabama ended up. Uh, it was a seven to one game, and I know they scored with like three or four seconds left, like a shorthanded goal or something like that to make it seven to two. And I, I know that Missouri State. You know, after breathing a huge sigh of relief that hey, we finally we're getting a win on the road in dominating fashion, and that had to kind of leave a little sour taste in their mouth that they let let a goal in with like three or four seconds left to go in the game. Yeah, it was actually crazy. I looking at the box store, they scored in the first minute. Alabama did. Yeah, forty three seconds in, and then Missouri State gave up that goal with only six seconds to go. So. <laughs> One goal sandwiched in between seven and the the late one. So and then the next the the Saturday or the Sunday afternoon game, uh, Alabama jumped out to a pretty quick little lead, and um, uh, well, I take it back. It was a, a back and forth affair. Apparently, Missouri State was up what four to two after the first period, and then five to four after the second period, and it was a squeaky bum time there for the third period. Uh, for for Missouri State, they seemed like uh, they were letting Alabama back into the game, and they, Alabama got close, but uh, a couple of power play goals and an empty netter at the end sealed the deal for uh, for Missouri State to get out of Pelham, Alabama, with uh, two dubs. Yeah, it was a close one, like you said. It was six six five empty netter, so really, yeah, six five game throat, and they scored sort of a early one in the third to get them that extra goal, but. Yeah, it was uh, kind of a back and forth game with that one. I felt uh, felt a little bad uh, for uh, one Alabama kid in particular, and not I'm saying that kind of facetiously, but he started the uh, started the game off, started the weekend off with a uh, butt ending major that you know just kind of uh, that's not exactly the way you want to start your weekend by getting a major and getting kicked out of a uh, the first game of a two game set that you desperately need. Exactly. But some poor kid, man, what a deal. So, all right. So, hey, good for Missouri State, though. Had to be uh, a safe ride, a a quick, not as long. You know, the road road home doesn't seem as long uh, when you're coming back with two dubs in your pocket. Exactly. 100%. Yeah. So, good good for them. And I'm glad they went to Alabama and not me. 
Hey, up in uh, Salt Lake, the other non-conference series that went on, well, there was a couple of other non-conference, but this was not involving uh, two WCHL teams. Oregon came to town, number 28, to face off against uh, a hurting number 20 Utah team. In hurting, meaning they've got a lot of injuries that they're dealing with right now. It's that time of the year. Uh, and Utah was able to split the weekend with Oregon. They dominated on, uh, just jumped out to a huge lead on Friday night and then had to hang on for dear life. Um, well, you know what? I take that back. Because here, I'm, I must be misremembering. Maybe it's, uh, oh, yeah, I am. I'm getting my games backwards here. Because Utah jumped out to the big lead on Saturday and then uh, lost it in overtime. Here, they uh, they used a big third period on Friday night to get ahead of uh, Utah and kind of put the, uh, I mean, get ahead of Oregon, to put uh, Oregon in their place on, on that uh, Friday night game. So Utah wins on 6-4 six, six to four on Friday and loses a heartbreaker, uh, a 3-2 to two game in overtime on Saturday. Yeah, just a quick one in overtime too. Just over just two minutes gone, they kind of lose it. They they had played well during the game and just couldn't close them out. And then Oregon scored three goals in the or two goals in the third, and then one in overtime. So they they had it. It was in their grasp and just sort of yeah got away from them. And Oregon's goalie that night also made. I mean, he's probably the player of the game. Forty three shots against them. So. Well, and he ran into a hot goalie. Yeah, and he was he also had almost 40 shots the night before too. Yeah. So yep. kind of wild that I know that um that Salt Lake was experiencing a winter storm at this same time and Oregon got yeah. in barely got into town barely before the uh, winter storm really hit. Um Utah's men's two team was supposed to play the team out of Washington. Um, University of Washington and uh, University of Washington had trouble getting into Salt Lake, so they had to juggle oh, wow. some game times around. And um, not that it affected uh, the Oregon Utah series; it's just uh, it was real winter hockey weather, I guess, up in Salt Lake City. And um, this Mister Server, uh, the goaltender for uh, um, for Oregon, Matt Server. And Landon Anderson, the goaltenders for uh, for Utah, they were just absolutely, uh, you know, on fire for uh, for. Well, Anderson only played the Friday night game, so uh, they were just. Uh, Anderson played his heart out. He played. He played very, very well. It's. Um, he sure did. It's interesting how how they uh, how they you know Salt Lake City has a big Olympic sheet too. So tell me, I'm not a hockey guy. And I've, I've been told that <laughs> I say that every chance I get, um, what's the difference from a player's perspective, dealing with an Olympic sheet versus a 200 by 85 NHL sheet? You know, it, it's a weird, it's, <clears throat> it's a weird thing, Chris. It's, um, it just creates more, well, it creates more time and space. You get an extra 15 feet to maneuver. So it's, it's 200 by 100 instead of 200 by 85. So that extra 15 feet gives you just more room sort of maneuver, not even in a neutral zone, where you really see it is in the offensive zone when you have the puck. There's just like more more space to cover on defense, so it leads to just more chances. Uh, you just got to be really dialed in when you're playing on defense when you get that much open space because it's not something that you're they're used to dealing with. There's more room for a cycle. There's more room to get the puck up to use the points a lot more. It's, it's really won and lost in the offensive zones where you really see it. How how difficult or or not difficult is it to adjust 
for going to going from an NHL uh, size sheet to uh, to an Olympic sheet? Um, I wouldn't say that it's a massive adjustment. It is an adjustment. Um, so the the funny thing, the reason I this reason I say this is uh, when I played at Notre Dame before I came down to UCO, we actually have Olympic size. So you get you kind of get a lot more used to it the more that you play on it. Uh-huh. Um, I would say it obviously favors the home team because they practice on it. That's the place where they're that's where the place where they're going to play more of their games. So I would say that it is an adjustment, but it's probably not a crazy adjustment. It is obviously more work. Uh, you do have to communicate more. You got to be more dialed into what's going on around you. Um, but yeah, I don't know. And maybe, I, maybe that's just me. Maybe other people would have a different answer. Um, but I don't think that's, I mean, it's still hockey. It's still, you know, five on five with a goalie in each net. Sure. Um, Net's still four by six. Yeah. yeah. It's still this, still the same sport. You can still do all the same things. It's just, yeah, there is just a little extra ice out there. So you got to just be more aware. That makes sense. Makes sense. More room to maneuver. And it it also makes sense that it puts uh, more room in the offensive zone. As you said, won or lost in the offensive zone, which I guess puts additional pressure on the, on the defense since they've got to cover a little bit more. There's just a premium on playing good defense. Yeah. There's a, that's really what it boils down to. You can't, uh, you can't get away. There's no place to hide if you're not really, if you're not ready to play defense or you're not, uh, you know, committed to playing below the puck and, playing well in your defensive zone you're, you'll get exposed right. that's probably the biggest thing very good well hey utah got exposed um on on <laughs> saturday because they lost yeah. it lost it three to two in overtime and uh so they split with oregon the uh the next game you we were talking about something funky the next series is is uh funky this was a conference weekend unlv went down to uh, arcadia to play uh a grand canyon at az ice arcadia and they were only able to play the Saturday game. The Sunday game was suspended. Um, on Saturday, UNLV just went about, you know, their business and just took care of business, beating GCU by a score of five to two. And they just, you know, it was a two to two game after the first period, and then after that, it was all UNLV. And uh, UNLV's goaltender, in fact, it was their third string goaltender, Vince Benedetto. Golly, I can't even speak. Um, he got the he got the win in net for UNLV, and um, uh, but the the Sunday game uh, had to be suspended. I, they they had some issues with the rink. Um, when I tuned into the game, it was foggy as all get out, and they were only able to play like the first seven minutes of the game. And uh, the there was a goal that was scored, and it was due to the fog because nobody could see the dang puck. And it literally, wow. uh, yeah, UNLV uh, got a got a pass off the boards, and they just chucked it at the net, and nobody saw that it went in until they went and fished the puck out of the back of the net. So was it just too hot, and like the 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 ring couldn't keep up with the heat? It, it's my my understanding is that that rink is. Uh, that it wasn't it, it i've never been there so i'm everything i'm hearing Got is it. second and third hand speculating <laughs> speculating yes thank you very much the very lawyer like of you i like that um everything i hear it, it, or everything i've been told is uh, uh second and third hand knowledge it's my understanding that that rink is uh, a repurposed shopping center Got and it. that there's not um an awful lot of ventilation there 
and that it's also one of the more original, one of the older vintage rinks in the Phoenix area. So my guess is the infrastructure there is very, very delicate. Right. Um, you know, if, if I were talking about other places, you'd say, oh, it's held together with baling wire and, you know, bubble gum. Um, but I've never been to this place. So it was my understanding that um, the humidity got to them and they didn't have a way to uh, dehumidify the place. And also right. I understood, I was told um, that they, there was a flooding problem at the same time. And I don't know if, oh. which, which would make sense because so much water would cause the humidity right. to just go nutty inside there. So I don't know if they had, if it was a, a, a flooding, I was told that it was a, a flood problem with the ZAM, also a flood problem in the ZAM room. So mm, that uh, makes sense. So they, that probably led to more heat, more condensation too, because the building is already hot. That's right, and more moisture. Makes sense. Yeah, yeah, more moisture yep. in the air. So they had to uh, suspend the game. The, I'll tell you that right now the the plan is to um, complete the game on the Thursday in February when when Grand Canyon goes up to UNLV. Grand Canyon plays UNLV the last weekend of the regular season. Uh, on a Friday Saturday fair, so I think we're the plan right now. If we can find some ice, is to uh, complete the game on the Thursday. Um, that to play a three to play a three and three on the weekend. Basically, yeah. I mean, we'll we'll Makes start sense. we'll start the game with uh, this game was uh, was called with uh, twelve nineteen left in the first period. I think they only got mm-hmm. seven, or maybe it was twelve forty one. They only got a couple of minutes in. Um, seven minutes, I think in 21 seconds, I think it was in the, into the uh, first period. And then, uh, so we'll play the remaining, you know, two and a half periods on Thursday night, and then they'll have their full set on uh, Thursday, on Friday, Saturday. So, yeah, well, hopefully we can pull it off. We'll see. We'll see. And if not, we'll have yeah. to, uh, shuck and jive and do a little bit of dancing to figure out how we're going to, uh, because, you know, when we get to the standings, we'll talk about it, but right now it's, it's a, it's a two horse race right now between central Oklahoma and Nevada, Las Vegas. And Mm -hmm. you want both teams to have a full 20 conference games, uh, on the books as opposed to one team was got 20 and the other team has 19. So, so, all right. Uh, so that was, that was the fun. That was, that was a fun Sunday. (laughs) Yeah, that's fun. Too bad for Grand Canyon too, right? You you invite a top team into your, into your building. You're looking to maybe, maybe pull off an upset, but now you have to sort of maybe make the game up on the road, which again, you know, circumstances, circumstances just, you know, kind of, kind of stinks for Grand Canyon that did not get that chance to maybe try to steal one on a Sunday afternoon. Yeah. Especially at home where they played so well. Right. Yeah. Yeah. All right, and then after that, we have some uh, rivalry games. Uh, Arizona State and Arizona played uh, the the. This is the second time that Arizona State has gone down to Tucson. I think they go down another ten times later on in the season. <laughs> it's insane how many games they play against one another. Uh, but it's easy travel, it's easy travel, easy Just travel. Road. <laughs> and they they pack the place in too. They get a big crowd down there. They do. It's a really nice rink, actually. Playing yeah. in Arizona. I always, I always liked uh, going to the Tucson Convention Center. Yeah. Arizona State, uh, number 12. Arizona, number 18. On Friday night, U of A pulls out the victory 4-1. to one, And then uh, it goes to a shootout the next day. And Arizona State sneaks out with a 2-1 to one victory. They won the shootout 2-1 to one in four rounds. So uh, uh, a little surprising split, if you will. 
Yeah, I think last time I was on, Chris, we talked about how Arizona had stolen two out of Arizona State. So mm-hmm. I guess they win three of four in conference because those have been all conference games, correct? These are not conference games oh, right now. Oh, these aren't. God. These are sense. not. These are not. So they, uh, they'll play, I think, one more time in February down in Tucson. And okay. I think they have a, a series up in Tempe. And those games okay. will be conference games, but the that series that you were talking about in October, right? And this series were not conference games. Oh, okay. So there you go. Yep. But they'll still count for the rankings. Know what he's talking about? No, 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 no. They'll, <laughs> but they'll still count for the ACHA rankings, which will make sense. Yeah, makes sense. Yep. But so, Arizona. So to ca- to cap up what my thought was, Arizona yep. then has in since I've you know commented on these four out of four out of three out of four. Sorry. So Arizona kind of has Arizona State's number a little bit. Seems like it, doesn't it? Yeah. It really does seem like it. And then, uh, you know, it doesn't seem like there's, I mean, it seems like both teams are trying to uh, uh, establish uh, a rotation of goaltenders. There's no clear number one um, because U of A played both of their goaltenders. They have a Finn Sepinen, and they have uh, their standby Nolan Bivolchik. And then ASU has been playing uh, Dawson Rodin and Eric Garber on and off. So uh, they've been trading games with them. And so uh, Bivolchik won on Friday night. Garber, or Rodin, I'm sorry, uh, won on Saturday afternoon, the uh, the big shootout. Right. So uh, very, very close it's a, it's a more it's a more common thing chris nowadays and nhl uh across the acha just more of like a tandem there's not the there's not the it's not the day and age anymore where a guy can play 80 games in the nhl right the starter maybe gets the net 50 and the backup plays 30 or maybe it's a 60 sort of 20 and then again a lot of teams in the acha most of the teams in our conference they don't really have the you know the clear number one it's more of a goaltender by tandem you're gonna get the net one game this guy's gonna get in it i think that's a good thing fuels competition it brings out the best in both goaltenders because you're gonna need typically right if you're gonna run the table you're gonna need a day at nationals where you can maybe play your backup absolutely absolutely and so yeah you can't uh it's the rare it's the well tell me i mean when you when you won nationals uh the first Uh time i mean did you play uh backup goaltender We, so, I mean, I wouldn't say that our goalies uh, my senior year were uh, uh, were a starter and a backup. I think we had 1A, 1B, and I, I feel like they would say the same thing. But I had uh, Tori Caldwell and Brenton Patchett, and uh, Tori got three of the games, and Brett played the semifinal of Nationals against Minot. So Very nice. <laughs> that just goes to show you, like, our first uh, – yeah, our first run to Nationals, we had uh, – we had uh, – sort of a tandem going at it and they i mean they pushed each other it's rare yeah. when you can find a, a goaltender that can make that uh make yeah. that run huh huh okay we did have i mean the second time that we won it we kind of maybe had probably the a clear number one i guess so i'm kind of contradicting myself but we had alex henry who was a he was a brick wall he played five years for uco and i mean he's an amazing goalie um, yeah. and that's and Brenton and TC also fantastic goalies, but like they were both seniors too. So they were kind of splitting the net. Coach McAllister thought he could go with either one and they were both fantastic. So very, very nice. Very nice. Well, it's uh, U of A does seem to have uh, ASU's number. Um, but uh, I know that ASU was, uh, 
you know, they'll be happy to get out of there with a win, even though in the eyes of the computer that, that goes down as a tie. And uh, that's yeah. going to end up ha- helping uh, U of A, I think, more than anything in terms of the computer ranking. So we'll see. We'll see. The uh, con- rivalry night continued. Um, let's before we go to go to the games that you saw. Let's go up to uh, Colorado because Colorado and Colorado State played a set of games. First night was in Boulder, and the second mm-hmm. night was in Fort Collins. And man, the first night was just uh, all buffs all the time. Eight to two was the victory there for Colorado over their uh, arch rival the Rams. And I'm telling you what. Um, I don't know if you've seen it. I don't know. If you, you don't get much on social media, do you? Uh, every once in a while, I follow Twitter, and but I don't know. Who, I don't know if I follow the right people. <laughs> <laughs> you, you probably do. You probably absolutely do. Uh, the only reason. The only reason I ask. There's an Instagram account out there that I I, I don't want to really promote all that much, but it takes some highlights from games. And there was an absolute snipe of a goal it was the last uh colorado goal scored by drew mcconaughey and um it happened like seconds after they scored their seventh goal of the night the place is going bonkers the cu fans are screaming you know fcsu and all that kind of stuff just like a rivalry game should and mcconaughey comes down on the left side he's a defenseman he comes down on the left side and does a spinorama backhand past the CSU goalie, and it was one of the prettiest things you've ever seen. It was just amazing. I think I remember the goal that you're talking about. Yeah, when he hit the, he hit the, he put the heel of his stick on the puck to do the spinorama. Uh huh. It, it wasn't like a Denny Savard back in the day, but he put like the heel of the stick on it. I did see it. I, yeah, it yeah. Was, it was unreal goal. It, it was it was sick to see it live. It was yeah. in, in uh, so just incredible. Sent the, uh, the the Buffs fans into a frenzy, and the the thing I feel I don't I shouldn't say I feel bad about it. Um, that was Colorado State pulled their normal goaltender, their number one Sam Simon. Mm-hmm. They pulled him after goal number seven, and so they put this uh, their their backup Logan Zlot into the game. And that was the first shot that Zlot saw. And it was a spinorama backhand. And it goes into the net. And the poor kid uh, let it go in. And I just thought, oh, no. Poor nah. That's got to – that's that can't be good for the confidence. No, it's never coming in. It, I, I can't imagine coming in cold as a backup. And then the first shot to see that, yeah, it's not uh, not nice. CSU got a little measure of revenge the next night, though, up at Epic, and um, they packed the place up at uh, in Fort Collins, and CSU comes back and wins that game four to two. So they uh, split that series, and that was a conference series. Um, yep. So uh, eight to it seems it seemed as if Colorado scored all their goals on Friday night and should have saved some for a Saturday. Yeah, Mark Mark Borg, Borgie had a natural hat trick too, so he used them all up the first, in the he, first game. He had a hat, and then uh, he had a hat for the Buffs on Friday, and then uh, Tristan Meistis for CSU yeah. number twenty-two. He had himself a hat for uh, for Colorado State. Yeah. So, kind of. Uh, anyways, I thought that was kind of interesting. Uh, two evenly matched teams, um, and uh, just a, a good a good rivalry. And, uh, it is a good rivalry, yeah. It's always been right. Again, we have we have some pretty lucky, just geographical kind of nice rivalries in our conference, which is, I mean, 
Yep. That's, what, that's what adds the fuel and adds the fire to the competition. So. They got they have great fan support too. The, uh, the people come out to uh, watch you beat bash the other team's brains in, which is good. Which leads <laughs> exactly. us to uh, to Arctic Edge Ice Arena, where you had the pleasure of seeing uh, rivalry games. Oklahoma and Central Oklahoma played uh, a home and home series in the same home, which was kind of unique. <laughs> Um, Friday night, I think, uh, central Oklahoma was the home team. And then Saturday, Oklahoma was the home team. Central Oklahoma comes out with a victory both nights, four to nothing on Friday night and five to three on Saturday. And you tell me what you thought. I thought that it was a pretty good game from both. I, I honestly, I thought the, the games are fairly competitive. I thought that. There was, again, that added rivalry tension, if you will. I think, I mean, the fans in Oklahoma love watching UCOU. It's obviously the biggest biggest games of the year for both teams. Um, I thought that UCO might handle OU a little more than they did, to be honest, in both games. But I think that at the end of the day, it's a rivalry game, so you're going to you're going to get the other team's best, even though OU's lower ranked, it's their sort of biggest game of the season to that point. Um, so I think that's, I mean, those are the biggest takeaways for me. Yeah. I thought um, Friday night, what went about like I thought it was, OU's sure. going to have trouble scoring and UCO uh, was going to take full advantage of OU's uh, uh, penalties and sure. just dominated in terms of um, possession. I, th- yeah. you know, they, they, the four to nothing score was, was, I think, indicative of the, uh, just the time of possession. UCO seemed to have the, the run of play most of Friday night. Mm-hmm. And um, then on Culberson Bond played a heck of a game on Friday. Sorry to cut you off. The, no, yeah, I think the bo- the box score says twenty nine shots, but I think by the end of it, it was close to fifty. Really? Was, I think it was like fifty two, fifty three shots, if I remember correctly. Wow. Um, so the box score online doesn't really tell the whole story. So okay, I, again, I know that it was competitive, and yes, UCO did control the bulk of the play, but Culberson Bond played a whale of a game. Yeah, I mean, and you know, he, he played the the very next night too, and mm-hmm. um, I thought the next night kind of got away from UCO late in the last half of the game, the last thirty minutes of the game. They sure. went on a uh, penalty run and allowed OU to you know kind of get back into the uh, in, into the game, and mm-hmm. you know had the UCO kind of went back to uh, you know the UCO of old where, you know, they would beat you on the scoreboard and on the ice. Um, right. And, you know, it's uh, – so just sit back and take all their penalties and, you know, kill them with the power play. And um, that was – you know, I, if – I don't know if that's good or bad going into the week that their UCO is about to have uh, for mm-hmm. Coach Rivera from a coaching perspective. But he's got plenty of uh, meat to chew on uh, for the next no, couple of I days. I think those are good, Chris. When you when you win but don't play your best, that means that you can coach your team hard. I think that Coach Rivera would have been – yes, he's happy, right, that they get the wins, of course, obviously. Yeah. But I don't think he's he's happy with the, the outcome, right? Like I think that the that – the, that the team played well, but I think that there's still things that they need to clean up, especially into this weekend. So then that gives you – 
as a coach, I think that gives you more, more ammo, more, um, uh, just like the ability to, again, like coach your team hard because you got the win. So the team's not, they're not down on themselves. They're not mopey. They're happy to be there. They're energized because you win both the games, but then you get to improve on the things that you didn't do well. So I think this week of practice is probably exactly what, what they need to get ready to go up to. Well, they'll probably be traveling tomorrow to go up to Minot on the road in Jamestown. Yeah. Yeah. They're going to have a, uh, going to have some uh, games ahead of them. Uh, the other thing that stood out to me was the second period on uh, Friday night, just in terms of the run of play I, I see here. And I was told um, from, from watching it, uh, Oklahoma had zero shots on goal in the second period, and that's pretty yeah. rare. Usually, you get an accidental shot on goal at the very least. <laughs> Usually, a flip in from the red line or something like yeah, that. Yeah, you're trying to ice the some, puck or something, yeah. and it goes into the crease, right? Yeah, UCO again. UCO did control it, but I don't think that they're happy that again. If you get if you control the play that much in the second period, and you only get three goals. Yeah. Again, that shows you to the level of play of the goaltender where, you know, it just wasn't going for him. But. Well, it's uh, now tell me this. How did it work out? This was the first time that uh, both teams called Arctic Edge Ice Arena their home. In, sure. years, in years past, OU typically plays well at Arctic Edge and UCO typically plays well at the Blazers Ice Center. Mm-hmm. Uh, at the other team's home, how did it? Obviously, UCO won both of these games. I mean, was there? Could you tell any sort of a difference from a uh, performance or a psychological perspective that that someone played better since they were the road team? I mean, did OU play better on Friday night because they were the road team versus Saturday? Did UCO play better Saturday, even though you know they? No, because I don't think that it. <sighs> I think the opposite occurred, to be honest, Chris, because I think that OU, right, they play their games there. It wasn't like they were coming into a hostile, uh, you know, hostile UCO territory where they're going to lay down a marker and they're going to beat a top five team. I think that they played there and it it almost to them kind of felt like a home because that's home game. That's where they get changed. That's where they, they play the rest of their home games. So I think that it probably hurt OU a little bit more than in years past, if okay. I'm being honest. Okay. I'll tell you, it was a little weird seeing both teams go off the same entrance and go walking yeah, down the same hallway did. towards the same locker room. Right. Yeah. We, they did have to put some protocols in place that there was a good delay between us and them because in years past it has gotten a little spicy. So it was good to see that they did that, and it all stayed relatively calm. It didn't get out of control, so that was good. How did it work out for you, Curtis, as a broadcaster? Because usually um, you broadcast the UCO home games, but you don't get to broadcast the UCO away game. Um, right. In this this past weekend, you were able to, uh, I, I guess both teams were able to put on their broadcasts. Yeah. We were able to do both broadcasts. It was, uh, it was really nice because normally when, uh, you know, in years past when they've gone down to Blazers, I, I haven't been able to call it. You kind of have to watch from afar or tune into the UCO game or travel down to travel down and watch them down there. But it was, it was nice to be able to call both games at home. And obviously, I mean, that's, it's the best part of the gig. That's the best part of the gig. Well, very nice. All right. Hey, let's, uh, let's listen to a horn or two and then we'll come back, talk standings, get some predictions and uh, whatever else we want to talk about. We might talk about hockey lingo. I've got a question. Yeah. Hold on. 
Game face is on. It's our first day of senior hockey, bud. Well, first impression's a lasting one, bro. You ready for this, bud? Uh, four check, back check, paycheck, bro. Things. One, drop your glove. Two, catch jersey. Three, over the head. And where I'm from, we call this the Inglewood Jack. What I say? That's the way. Yeah. Inglewood Jack. As they say in hockey, let's do that hockey. All right, Chance, let's do that hockey. Um, so after the uh, weekend of games, some conference games, some non-conference games, let's look at the WCHL standings really quick. And as we talked about, uh, alluded to before the horns went off, it's a two-horse race here in the uh, WCHL, Central Oklahoma and Nevada Las Vegas, one and two in the uh, conference. Both teams have won all of the games that they've played. Central Oklahoma has won all 12 games. Nevada Las Vegas has won seven games. Remember, they have a game that's suspended. So um, it could come down to that very last weekend of the season. Who knows? Um, it absolutely could, 100%. Utah's in third place. Uh, they're one point behind UNLV, but they also have played seven more games in UNLV. Then we have Arizona in, oh, I'm sorry, Arizona State in fourth place with 18 points. Arizona and Colorado are tied for fifth with 15 points. Missouri State at seventh with 13 points. Then Grand Canyon, Colorado State, and Oklahoma. Uh, so, yeah, it's a two horse race right now, is how it's shaping out to be, which is how it was last year Central Oklahoma and UNLV. So, yep. We shall see. It's kind of that's kind of a bummer, or not? I shouldn't say a bummer, but it's kind of why that GCU suspension uh, or the game that was suspended is going to loom very large because uh, we want to get to uh, you know if we can't do points, we're going to have to look at you know uh, percent not win percentage but points percentage. And right now they're tied there, and then we look to head-to-head, and they're not, you know, they they haven't played head-to-head, at least in conference. They played the one game out of conference head-to-head earlier in the season. And then uh, after that, I think we look to uh, goal differential. So uh, that could uh, it could be, I hope we don't get to the tiebreaker situation, but we we're, it's kind of the way, it's the, that's the road we're on for right now, at least on December the 6th, that's the road we're on. Yeah. Which would which would be a shame too, right? Because you want the you want it to come down to the games that they've played, just like in everything else, right? You want the games to matter, and you want them to be able to play all the games. And again, that's why we that's why you schedule the games that you do to make sure it's a you know it's an even fair uh, race to the finish line, if you will. Yep, yep, yep. So uh, yeah, we'll 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 see if. Uh, Central Oklahoma has eight more WCHL games left. Uh, UNLV has, uh, well, 12 and a half, 13 <laughs> games left. So uh, so we'll see if uh, one of the two teams stumbles in conference. Uh, but yeah. it's going to make for an interesting spring, that's for sure. All right. Hey, we've got some uh, games coming up this week, and then the games will be concluded for the fall semester. And, Curtis, you alluded to it earlier. Central Oklahoma is hopping on the bus, and they're going to North Dakota. Have you, Curtis, yep. have you ever been to North Dakota? You know, I have been to North Dakota, but not for very long. Um, <clears throat> when I used to make the drive down to come to school, cause I used to go back to Canada to work in the summers. Yeah. You can't get it. You can't get a job as a foreign student. Um, so I used to have to drive through. Yeah. That was my way to get home. I used to drive through Minot Fargo, then take I 35 all the way South. So, wow. Yep. Okay. Yep. 
All right. So uh, a, a cup of coffee there in North Dakota yeah. as you're driving yeah. through. Legit. Yeah. Gas and a cup of coffee and keep on going. Well, UCO is going to be there for a little bit more than a cup of coffee. They play Jamestown, ranked right now number six in the nation, on Thursday night. And then they have a Friday-Saturday night affair against the number one team in the nation, Minot State. I think it's fair, Curtis, to say that this uh, weekend, it's not uh, make-or-break weekend, but I think it will be a critical weekend, a crucial weekend for UCO's chances to move up into the top four for national seeding, which is where you want to be. If you're in the top four, you get that day off uh, in nationals. And everybody, that, that I think it's been proven that uh, teams that get that day off are more than likely to win the, uh, the, the conference, cha- uh, the uh, ACHA national championship versus it's the teams. so crucial. Yeah. yeah. So, t- I mean, tell me about that. You've been there, and you've been in both situations. We've had to play four yeah. games in four days versus four games yep. in five days. Mm-hmm. And the, the both times we won it going to nationals, we were ranked in the top four. The first time we were ranked two. The second time we were ranked four. It's just, it's just so much different. It gives your body that one extra day to recover instead of having to play four straight. Um so this weekend is going to be a yeah this weekend is going to be a measuring stick not only just to to tell where UCO is at like if they're going to make that jump into the top four and and leapfrog some teams to get in there and to tell Coach Rivera Coach Hartley like where is this team is this team for real like are we a team that can go back to the you know into the finals of nationals and this time win it or are they are they not for not up for it this year this team I mean there have been points in the season where they've They've shown us at their best, and I think last weekend showed that they sometimes aren't at their best, and they sometimes play, I wouldn't say down to their opponent, but there are times where they're not fully fuller, you know, firing on all cylinders. So, I mean, this is, yeah, this is going to be a huge weekend for UCO. Jamestown is number six in the nation, but they're coming off a split with Midland. Um which was surprising. Both Jamestown, well, Jamestown plays in my B conference, Midwest College Hockey, um, but they're they're the uh, the number one team in that conference right now, and they split surprisingly with Midland, and that was at Midland. So Jamestown can't be too happy with that. So what do you before we get to the big number one versus number five? Tell me what do you sure. think? Five versus six, UCO at think- Jamestown. I think that UCO will come – again, I said that it's going to be a huge weekend for them, and I think they'll come off come off the bus ready to rock and roll, and I think they're going to beat Jamestown. I think it'll be a close one, though. I don't think it'll be, you know, your, your 7-2 or something like that. It could be a could be a one-goal game or maybe an empty net or something like that. Okay. And then we, uh, Central will get on the road and head a little further north and a little further to the west and go into uh, Minot, America. And what do you think there is going to happen? The number one team in the nation, the Beavers versus Broncos. Oh, this is a tough one to call, because I want to call it with my heart and say UCO comes in there and they sweep them and it's not even a game. But I think I think that they, they would be – I think in UCO's mind they'd be really happy with a split. Uh, again, it's a, it's a tough place to go. The Beavers are always good there. Uh, they, they pack the rink from what I'm told. I've never, uh, I've never, we never played in Minot when I, when I played, but, uh, they get loud and I think it'll be a split. Uh, probably UCO wins, 
wins the Friday one, and then maybe that third three and three just maybe catches up to them a little bit, and then maybe don't have the the legs fully going, and maybe uh, Minot grabs that that final one on Saturday. Okay, Minot just lost their first game of the season. They played uh, the men's they Division did. Two national champion Mary. And Mary is yeah. moving up next season to men's division one, and they lost uh, a close game three to two. So Minot yeah, will be Mary's a little angry. A, Mary's a powerhouse of the division two. Haven't they won like three of four or four of six national titles or something like they, that? In division they, two? Yeah, they've. I think uh, it's either two of three or I think it's two of three. Um, oh, I know yeah. they're back to back. They might have won. They might have won a third. Um, but yeah, they're they're making the move up. In fact, they'll be joining the B conference next season. So uh, the B conference is slowly but surely getting a little bit better. It's growing yeah. with some age. So uh, okay. So officially, Curtis says UCA will get Jamestown on Thursday, and then UCO and Minot State will split Friday Saturday. Mm-hmm. I That's like the it. official call. But again, don't take it to the bank. Don't you know? Don't go gamble on it. I I'm not a <laughs> prognosticator, but <laughs> this is this is for entertainment purposes only, right? Don't, exactly. Don't yes. don't bet the mortgage. Gamble responsibly, please. Gamble responsibly. <laughs> well, just like Central Oklahoma is playing three games in three days, UNLV is also playing three games in three days, but they're uh, taking it up a notch. As you know, they do everything big and flashy in Vegas. UCO is only playing two opponents. U, uh, UNLV is taking on three. Thursday night, they're taking on lowly San Diego State, a newcomer to men's Division One. And then uh, Friday night, they're taking on Canisius. And Saturday, they're taking on those pesky Oregon Ducks who are uh, back uh, to play. Uh, you know, I, I can tell you what's, what's going on here. San Diego State, Canisius, and Oregon are all getting together for a little jamboree, if you will, at UNLV. <laughs> and so that's what's, uh, that's what's going on. And so... These are the three games involving UNLV. San Diego State and Oregon are going to play one another. Canisius, I think, will play uh, San Diego State as well. So it's um, – I, what do you tell me what you think? I'm trying to vamp. Are they going to play them all at the same rink, Chris? Is that what's going to happen there Thursday, you know, Friday, Saturday? Uh, that, that's a good question. That's a really good question. Like I, when San Diego State, sorry, is maybe playing Canisius, it sounds like they're doing uh, some sort of like uh, – what would you call that? Oh man. Like a showcase kind of thing? Yeah, there you go. Thank you. That's what I was looking for. Okay. Yeah. It's um you know, I think they're gonna play all the games at uh at City National Arena, but I'm I'm not Got too sh- i I thought I think they will because their other option is the um um it's like the dollar loan center or, you know, a bigger mm. empty emptier arena. So I think all these games Got are it. at City National. So San Diego State right now is ranked where San Diego State. Let's see here. If only I could read. Oh, they're number 67 out of 70, so no bueno. Kinesius yep. is number 47 out of 70, and Oregon is number 28 out of 70. Now, that's as of the rankings released before Thanksgiving. So uh, what do you think? San Diego State versus UNLV on Thursday? I think UNLV should be able to handle that one pretty easy. That's Point a night. A little huh? bit like a mismatch. Yeah, it seems like a cookie night. Yeah, yep. get your cookies. And then yep. uh, what about Kinesius the following night? Kinesius at UNLV. Again, very much a yeah, point night. Go out there, get your get your cookies, enjoy a, maybe a night off. I'm, and I'm, then Saturday, Saturday yeah. could be maybe a little tricky one. Oregon, again, they beat Utah. So mm-hmm. 
especially that being the third game, maybe UNLV again, the third and three, you're tired by that third game. Maybe it gets a little closer than they'd like, but I think they'll still pull that one out. They should, they should win all three. You would think they would, they would win all three if they're, if, yeah. but if they're going to stumble, I agree with you. It's going to be on that uh, yeah. Oregon game. It kept, yeah, because again, Oregon doesn't seem like they're a slouch. Twenty-eight, and they again they played Utah pretty good, and Utah's a pretty good hockey team. So, yeah, I'll 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 be I'll be really just impressed if Canisius actually shows up. Um, <laughs> you know, these East Coast teams they tend to have a, uh, a reputation for scheduling the games and then coming up with unique reasons not to uh, honor that commitment. So, oh. I'm hopeful. I'm hopeful that uh, Canisius actually does. You know, look at this as a Las Vegas yeah, vacation. Good opportunity. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, or yeah. a good good opportunity to play. Some, you know, slay, slay Goliath and <laughs> bump your ranking from forty seven to wherever they go. Well, beating it, off a, yeah, you know, beating a number four team. Yeah, they should. It it should be. I mean, it. They have a. You know, they're going to play the game for a reason. They have a chance, but um, I I just hope they show up. That's just me personally. Yep. San Diego State, I know, will be there. Oregon, I know, will be there. And San Diego State will get a little bit better. Phil Bateman is running that program, and um, he doesn't have an awful lot of D1 talent right now, um, but he's he's, sure. he's laying the groundwork. So he's, he's not trying to do anything super fast. Um, he, he wants to uh, be here for the long run, and he's uh, he's San Diego State, I th- they'll, they'll get it. They'll get it. And I think they're in a better spot – uh, for long-term success than Oregon. Oregon right now is, uh, just from a geographic standpoint, um, you know, they're yeah, way out in the blue. They're a long way up there. Yeah, yeah, San Diego State can at least hop on a plane and go to Phoenix or UNLV in, a, you know, 45 minutes. So, mm-hmm. uh, anyways. Hey, and I did pull up the schedule here. All three of these games are at the City National Arena. So Nice. Yeah, very nice. nice. All right, a uh, Friday-Saturday Arizona State and Grand Canyon, they're playing. These are non-conference games, but they're playing to keep each other sharp, I guess. Uh, Friday night at Grand Canyon, assuming that the rink is uh, back in fighting shape. Hopefully there's no flooding or no, you know, uh, fog. I need I need to check in. I need to check in to see if, they, if GCU is even able to get on the ice and practice. I hope they're right. able to. And then uh, Saturday at the Ocean, uh, at Oceanside or Ice Arena, the coldest rink in all of America. Um, so what do you think is going to happen there? A home-and-home home between ASU and Grand Canyon. I think ASU will win both of these games. I just don't think that Grand Canyon yet, and I know that they're obviously you know, trying to improve. They're newer to Division One. I. I don't think that they have the horses yet yeah. to compete with a better ASU team. I think okay. ASU will win both of them. I don't know if I don't know if they'll be blowouts. I think they could be fairly close because GCU is pretty feisty. Um, but yeah, I think ASU will pull them both, both nope. pull them both off. All right. And then the last series. This will be a conference series. It's Oklahoma traveling up to my favorite place in all the world, Fort Collins, Colorado, to take on the Rams of CSU. There are two games at the Epic Ice Arena. Um, and which is kind of wild. It's the Adora Pool and Ice Center. It's run by the city of Fort mm-hmm. Collins, and we were talking about Grand Canyon's rink and how they deal with humidity. Uh, Curtis, you've been up there to Colorado State. Have you I ever have. have you ever ventured over to the other side of the building where the swimming pool no, is? I, I haven't. No, we used to. 
Grant, and, and this a, it's a weird rink. Normally, you can find like a little place to get warmed up before, right? Stretch out, get warmed up. Yep. We never could find anywhere that was anywhere good in Colorado State. We'd always have to do it outside, too. So we'd always be up there in January running outside, which mm. I don't think that's a good way to get warm, but yeah. it's typically the only place we could find. So, no, I've actually never really ventured over to like the pool side of the of the complex. Well, the only reason uh, I bring it up is uh, because one side of that building is absolutely zero humidity, and the other side of that <laughs> building is 100% humidity. You go into that uh, the the pool side and you just get knocked on your tail because it's so warm and sticky. All right, uh, just crazy, crazy. Okay, so Oklahoma is going up there to Epic to take on the Rams. How do you see that one working mm-hmm. out? Two hardworking teams. Man, can they? Oh, you steal one? Maybe can they steal one from Colorado State? It's okay. Mm. It's okay. You can wear your UCO hat. Is it? Okay, yeah. I think I, I think CSU will beat them both. Yeah. I think Oklahoma, <clears throat> from what I've been told and what has sort of transpired, they're on the right path, and there there's players that they are going to start committing to get back to where they were. They've had some down years, some lean years, but I think just based on what I've heard, conversations, that the coach for Oklahoma uh, – is the right person to bring them back maybe to where they were. Again, I just don't think they're there yet. He just hasn't been able to recruit the, the players that he needs. Yeah, I think they're, they're I, I think that's fair. I think that's fair to say. And, uh, you know, they're, they're playing better, um, and they're mm-hmm. making the most out of what they have with the talent that they have. But sure. I think mm-hmm. CSU is playing very well. And, um, yeah. I I would uh, I, you know it would be a feather in Oklahoma's cap if they can steal one, but uh, sure. logic yeah. says CSU is going to walk away with this. And I think CSU is typically typically they put uh, they get quite a few fans actually from what I can remember they do a pretty good uh, intro intro they get like the spotlight that comes down and they actually do a pretty good job with like just like the game day feel of of the game so that also adds to the, sort of the atmosphere and it's usually a hard place to play. Hard place to play. Now, it was a hard place for me to go to because they have so many breweries up there, and I would go on those day tours, <laughs> and I would go. I would consistently go on the day. Like, I would do the same day tour like two or three times. So sure. by the time, uh, you know, game time comes around at 745 or whenever it is, uh, you know, I'm, I'm not going to say I'm three sheets to the wind, but uh, I, I'm ready to go out two there sheets. on the ice myself. Yeah, maybe, maybe a sheet or two. <laughs> maybe a sheet or two. I'm feeling no pain. I'm I'm happy to be there in an ice rink. So uh, there you go. Yeah, very. It's it's a it's a great the, place. The best way to enjoy hockey is with the cold beverage. <laughs> There's I, I, nothing that that's not true about that. Nothing. It's absolutely right. You're absolutely dead yeah. on. We might have to get some sponsor. Maybe I can talk to one of those like New Belgium or Odell's hey. or. Uh, funk works or something up there to get some sponsorship for this uh craptastic podcast yeah send me Should some we beer call, maybe we'll call biz and we'll get uh big deal brewing to sponsor us get biz nasty <laughs> to hook us up you you think he'd uh you think he would lower himself to deal with uh because he's he's all in on the spit and chiclets right so. Oh yeah, oh yeah, absolutely. And then he's launched his own beer, so yeah. maybe we'll have to. And I don't, I don't know if anyone wants to see my mug, but maybe we'll have to turn this into some sort of video podcast where they can, they we can put the big deal brewing up and 
get after it. I like it. I like it. See, <laughs> this is this is why we have Curtis Johnson on because he he brings some uh, fresh ideas, thinking outside of the box. Take the podcast to the next level. Absolutely, I love right? this. They they always talk about hockey growing grassroots. They talk about uh, East Coast hockey. Well, let's talk about the ACHA. Mean, that's a club hockey these are the guys that are committed to playing hockey more committed than anybody we don't get paid to do it isn't that the, <laughs> it, that's the exact truth it's the opposite they pay to play hockey exactly. holy true that's student athletes we love it yeah 100 meanwhile the acha is cringing listening to this podcast going way to get you're, you're talking about drinking beer oh no we want to set a good example and here you guys are talking about drinking beer and watching going to play hockey oh no boys so. That's what hockey's about. That's why they sell it. That's why they sell it in the pros. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, tell it. We'll tell the guys at the ACHA to pull the stick out. So go yeah. to Romania, pull the stick out of your butt. So all right. Uh, so here we go. UCO is going to beat Jamestown. They'll split with Minot. UNLV will sweep their three games: San Diego State, Canisius, Oregon. Uh, Curtis says ASU is going to sweep Grand Canyon, and CSU will sweep Oklahoma. All right, uh, Curtis, anything else on the agenda that you would like to speak to? This is that free time when we just kind of ramble and go off on whatever tangent we want to. No, not necessarily. Uh, I will say, last time you had me on, Chris, you had me talk through my predictions for Stanley Cup. Yes. My Ranger pick looks absolutely atrocious right now. (laughs) So. I'm wondering if I get a mulligan, if that's not allowed, because right now they are brutal. All right. They are so bad. <laughs> just just because we like Curtis Johnson, and just, just because you brought up the, the fact that we uh, probably ought to go get some beer sponsorship. Yes, let's get you. Let's get a mulligan. So you're gonna. So I can get a mulligan. You're gonna. Yes, you're gonna kick the Rangers to the curb, and in their place, oh, you're going to select. So they are so bad. You know what? I shouldn't do this, but I'm going to – remember how I, I started and I said, you know, I'm going to take Carolina. Yeah. And then I completely went off the handle and went to the Rangers for whatever reason. Yeah. I'm going back to the well. I'm going to Carolina. Really? I don't, okay. think, that, I don't think that that's accurate, but we're just going to go with them. The Devils are too good to be true. Sorry, Ribs. I know you listen to this. You're Devils. I think it's too good to be true. Ooh. The Bruins. The Bruins. I don't know if they can keep this going. And the Leafs, they got to show me. So I'm going with the I'm going with the Hurricanes. The so um, hopefully the, that pays off, and I don't need another mulligan. <laughs> <laughs> the the Bruins the Bruins need to figure it out because um, they're great at home. They're nails at home, but uh, they are. They just what lost their first game in overtime yesterday, I think, to uh, to Vegas. Yeah, their old they, coach. Yeah. So I do follow some of the social media, and Vegas Vegas tweeted. Uh, uh, it was like hold that L or something like that, or losing your first in after fourteen, and that was the Vegas tweet. So I thought that was pretty funny. Uh oh, uh oh, some chirping going on via Twitter. All right, I like yeah, it. Yeah, like it's it. pretty good. Well, Curtis, I got to ask you this because I got a you're a hockey guy. I'm not. Um, every now and then I tune into hockey broadcasts, and some of the broadcasters throw out some catchphrases, or not catchphrases, but throw out some hockey hockey knowledge, hockey phrases, sure. hockey Slang. terminology that um, you know sometimes gets abused and overused. So okay. I'm going to say three words to you, and I want you to tell me what it means to Curtis Johnson, and tell me, Got and it. then and then we'll talk further whether it's abused and overused. My okay. the three words are net front presence. Got it. 
do you what what is what exactly is net front presence and then uh and then we'll talk about whether it's a, a an abused or overused term in the, in hockey so, broadcasting net front presence to me means um man let's see how i break this down for me, that means people are going to the place to score goals. That's where the goals are scored. <laughs> going in front, a net front, like, you know, it's again, it's not rocket science. Hockey is not some, you know, rocket science sport. Most of the goals, I think like 80%, if you do a study, are stored, they say, within the house. Uh-huh. And it's like the dots, the top of the circles. So by having a net front presence, that's the person that's in that house, quote unquote. Yeah. Um, typically to screen the goalie, to get a, gra- uh, you know, a gross rebound goal, to tip it in. That's what a net front presence is. Somebody who's in that space, occupying that area. Okay. Okay. Do you, and I, I would agree. I mean, is when I think of net front I presence, I, that down. these are probably hockey fans that listen to this. So uh, I'm hey, they're, okay. there's 14 of them and they're, they're mostly out of Springfield, Missouri. So uh, we'll, we'll see. Okay. When, when I think of net front presence, I think of, and this will, this will uh, date me, but I think of Phil Esposito because he okay. wasn't fast at all, but he would just sure. stand at the top of the crease in front of the goaltender. He would literally yep. um, put his elbow no, or the button. Yeah, he'd, he'd elbow or put the butt end of a stick right into the goaltender's uh, throat or chest just to kind of sure. gauge where he was, and he did nothing but collect garbage, um, yeah. and he just scored all the time. But so that's so I I think we're talking the same thing. You want to get in front of the uh, in front of the net, and you want yeah, to yeah, get uh, in the goalie's kitchen a little bit, right? Like in front of the either you know top of the slot area between the hash marks or right in front of the blue paint. But I mean, Phil Esposito made a living doing that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. seven hundred and some odd goals. I think I think he's like what sixth or seventh all time in goal scored. Yeah, hey, he if you, if he you move from the front of the net. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that was that's how I remember him, and I I, I remember him playing for the Bruins. I know after he came uh, to to the Bruins from the Rangers. Yeah. Um. So okay, now let me ask you this: Is there okay. is net front presence? Is that a term that's overused in hockey broadcasting? Is it is it a is it a, a hip nifty term for something that's always been in hockey and it's just you know it's the uh, nom de rigueur of, of of the time meaning it's you know it's the it's the clicky the cliche thing to say these days probably yeah because i think that there is a lot of so i i mean i tune into a lot of oiler games and even the guy that does the oiler game broadcast he always talks about like can there be someone in front of the net is there somebody who's you know causing havoc getting in the way of the puck can you make sure that the goalie doesn't see the puck uh, I think if you tune into any NHL broadcast, again, I'm not saying <laughs> what I broadcast at UCO is even remotely close to an NHL broadcast, but I like to think that we, again, we kind of steal the things that they say on those broadcasts and take it into kind of what we do on when we broadcast, you know, our Friday and Saturday nights. I just get a kick out of the fact, I mean, when you were describing it, you, you talked about getting in front of the goaltender, somebody screening sure. the goaltender, and mm-hmm. now, you know, now it's been uh, repurposed as net front presence as opposed to just right. get in front of the damn goalie and screen them. Um, <laughs> so I, that's that's what I get a yeah. kick out of. Fair. So. Screen the goalie, get in front of them. Um, 
Hopefully don't bump them. There is no video replay in the ACHA or WCHL. So sometimes you get away with a little bit more, right? That it can't go to video review until we get to nationals. But Allegedly. Yeah, you know. Yep. Oh, no, there we go. Oh, yeah, yeah, see. <laughs> all right. All right. Well, are there other, so, so there's, there's a uh, net front presence has been, uh, sure. it's, that's the 2022 terminology for screening the goaltender or getting in front of yep. the net. What other hockey terms are out there that have been, uh, repurposed Man. or reused? Golly, we, there's a lot of hockey slang. Yeah. Um, I mean, I get a, I get a kick out of. I hear everyone's got to play a full sixty, and yeah, that's a, that's a classic. That's is, just you know, that's a cliche. Yeah, as opposed <laughs> to just saying, hey, you got to play the entire game. You can't, you know, take a minute off. Yep. No, yep. Everyone's got to, you got to play a full a sixty. Of, even the, I mean, even the the guys that do the, uh, <clears throat> like the guys that come on after the game or like in between periods where they have you know somebody to do the, um, to ask them questions like, well, how was that period? Every player, right? There's not a lot of, and I think this is something that hockey needs to improve on a little bit. In different sports, there's people that kind of maybe show their personality a little bit more. Yeah, they show their flair. They dress up in um, sometimes maybe flashy suits. Austin Matthews does this a little bit for the Leafs. He, he, he's a little more casual, if you will, like when he when he dresses, when he gets ready for the games, and they give more information. Like they kind of give their personality during these uh, interviews. Okay. And I think typically just like over the years, historically hockey players are just very cliche, right? They talk about their teammates a lot. They talk about getting pucks in deep, uh, you know, <laughs> going to the net. Uh, did you shoot the puck? They, again, we just toss out a lot of cliches. And I think that, I think that's just, just something that's in hockey culture. Cause you don't want to, you don't want to be that guy on the team where you, maybe say the wrong thing or you rub people the wrong way by making it about yourself Yeah. when it is a, and when hockey is so much about the collective. So basketball, for example, sick league, uh, they, they, the people that where they talk about basketball, it's just more of a, it's more of an individual sport. People take credit for their own successes rather than the, like the success of the team. Right. Where in hockey, it's more, again, it's very cliched. You always talk about your teammates. You always talk about great game plan, uh, and I think that's kind of where the broadcast comes into it. We're just, you know, it's so ingrained in hockey culture that you, you, you know, you always go to those cliches. I, I think everybody does it. I, so. I, I just get a kick out of how the, how the broadcasters these days at all levels take the, uh, yeah. take the terms that have been around the game for, as you said earlier, sure. it's a very simple game and, uh, yep. they take these terms and they repurpose them and they throw it out with a new, with it with a new classification as if they just invented a brand new stat and so anyways i just get a kick out of it so yeah. all right um but there's a ton of slang there's a ton of slang chris honestly yeah? we could go on for hours about it well uh, we probably have know. to put an e on the podcast too there's a whole lot of that is true yeah, yeah. that's true <laughs> what, what's what what's the best with without going too deep into it what's the best chirp you hear you heard on the ice oh man and i can't use the I can't put an E in front of the podcast. I'm just kidding. <laughs> sure, sure, no, sure. We could put kidding. an E in front I'm of this kidding. one. Kidding? No, no, no. Um, and I guess the question man. then was: What did somebody chirp you, or did you chirp somebody? No, I would never chirp anybody. I'm not good <laughs> enough to chirp people. <laughs> just keep it to yourself. Whatever. You have to, be, you have to be typically somewhat good to chirp people. Like, yeah. 
if you're not good and you're throwing out chirps, then yeah. Again, that was always my take. Uh, I was just sort of got on with it. Um, man, I'm trying to think. All right. All right. Well, Hey, if we can't do that, then who's in your playing experience from your UCO days, who is the best guy on the team with the chirps? Man, also a good one. Everybody, the whole team. <laughs> that was the that was the problem with us when we were when we were at our best. We were we would run our mouths a lot. Coach yeah. had to rein us back in a ton. We would take some undisciplined, dumb penalties because we we sometimes forgot that we needed to go out there and play the game. Yeah, and we would. Yeah, we would. Pretty much the whole bench. I don't really have an answer. There's a lot. Okay. Right. There's a lot of guys that would beak and chirp and. Uh, uh, Donald Danroth comes to mind. He was he was uh, he was pretty chirpy. Okay, all right. Call him Donnie. Yeah, Donnie. He was pretty chirpy. Yeah. Well, I, I yeah. was I was waiting for you to talk about uh, the head coach. And uh... no, no, not necessarily. Huh? Uh, no, him and him and him and Harles were they were they were leaders in our group. They were again. Don't get me wrong. They love to chirp with the best of them. Yeah. Um, but they, especially, especially Mike, he always wanted to like set the example and make sure that, um, we weren't letting our, letting our chirping take over the game because there, there were games where we would let that kind of be the, the priority, if you will. And there were <laughs> games where we didn't play our best because of that. And we let, again, there's a, cu- a couple games against OU kind of let our emotion get away from us a little bit and started worrying too much about that than actually going out there and winning. So, all right. Fair enough. Yeah. Fair enough. I always get a kick out of, uh, you know, surfing YouTube and, you know, when they have the, the mic'd up guys and you get to hear the stuff that's sure. actually on the ice, that's, uh, that's always kind of fun. Yeah. So. There's a, there's a really good clip. I think back in the day when, uh, Claude Giroux started calling, uh, I think it's Phil Kessel. He just started calling him a pigeon for like no reason he starts like cooing at him that's a that one was funny <laughs> there's, <laughs> there's a lot uh again i mentioned biz and his big deal brewing that was like his job right fourth line guy oh yeah chirping making fun of you know some guys are some guys can get kind of ruthless they get really they start like figuring out like where you play junior maybe like your girlfriend's name because they know they're going to play and they, they they go like deep into your life story and start bringing out crazy stuff that's happened Wow, that's uh, that's a little too yeah. much. Yeah, that's where it gets kind of out of control. So it's not even chirps; they're like finding out your life story and they're getting after it. <laughs> so. Yikes! That's when you have to meet them in the tunnel afterwards and say, "Hey, let's have a talk really quick." Yeah, exactly. Yeah, hundred percent. All right. Well, hey, um, Curtis, we appreciate you being on uh, on the WCHL podcast. It's always good to have a hockey guy on the WCHL podcast. You know, the rest of us. We're just not hockey folks. So um, it's always good to have somebody who actually knows what they're talking about. Uh, I love coming on, Chris. The more you can bring me on, the better. I, yeah, I mean, I love you know coming on and shooting it with you. It's, it's great. So wonderful. Look forward to being on some more. All right. Well, hey, we're going to do it. And uh, in the meantime, uh, we, we've, we'll, we'll talk before, before Christmas. Um, and we'll sure. definitely talk before, uh, but there won't be any games after this weekend. So we've only got this weekend mm-hmm. to go. And then, uh, then we take a couple of uh, weeks off and we get after it in January. And then the sprint is on until March in Boston. And uh, it's going to be here before we know it. It's kind of scary that it's already uh, December of 2022. And, yeah. uh, you know, March 19 is... 19 days till Christmas. Oh, we didn't talk about this. 19 days till Christmas. You done your Christmas shopping yet? Oh, heck no. I haven't even started. 
haven't yeah, even neither. started. Oh no, <laughs> Amazon, come save me! I will. I will kill it. In fact, I'll, I'll tell you this: my uh, my son just sent me his Christmas wish list last night. So I've got to sit and uh, and I've got to get one from my daughter Kim the Ram up there in Fort Collins, and nice. then uh, yeah, it's going to be. I, I'm t- typically uh, unlike Andrew. You know, Andrew from uh, who also appears on the podcast every now and then. You know, he starts to celebrate Christmas in July. He hangs up, uh, <laughs> puts lights on the house. He has like a Christmas tree nice. in every room. Most of us have nice. an Advent calendar. He has an Advent Christmas tree, so he puts one tree up for every day closer to Christmas. Um, it's some people go nutty. I haven't even put lights on the house yet. Haven't put the tree up yet. Um, oh, yeah. So I do have you beat there. I did get the lights up last weekend. Yeah, and we put the and we put the tree up uh, just a couple of days ago. So I'm doing that. You got you I got me say. beat. We've uh, my wife and I. We were talking uh, earlier today that uh, the lights are going up uh, this weekend as well as the tree. Nice. So, there you go. Yeah. Right it, on. It was always it was always better when we had the kids here because we could let them do it. But now right. the kids are off yeah. on their own, and it's back right. to the old the two old farts having to put stuff up. So there you go. All right. Listen, Curtis, we appreciate you being on the podcast, um, and uh, we appreciate you out there listening to uh, to Curtis and me. Hopefully, you learned something from Curtis. And uh, if you're a beer sponsor, or if you're any kind of sponsor, please get in touch with hey. either one or two of us. We would love to sample your work in, uh, yeah, that, that'd be pretty awesome. The follow the sure W would. follow the WCHL pod on Twitter at WCHL pod, follow the Western CHL on, uh, online at westernchl.com. Hopefully it'll be updated maybe over the holiday break. I'll have to talk to the guys at Utah about that. And it's also on Twitter at Western CHL. I'm on Twitter at CJP in OKLA. You're not going to find an awful lot there other than politics and immigration stuff and burps and farts and stuff. You'll find some quality tweeting, though, from Curtis. And you're at what? Is it KJohnny9? KJohnny09. And I really only tweet if I come on the podcast or if I was doing the broadcast. That's, I, you that's, know, I, that's probably the way it ought on, to be, right? I came on the podcast last time, gave a little shout out, and I haven't really tweeted since. So, yeah. <laughs> That's probably yeah, my game. Apparently, well, that's probably the the way Twitter ought to be. You know, it's probably burned down while we're uh, while we've been talking. So, who the heck knows what's going on? It's it's. Probably, I follow, I use it a lot for like my news. What's going on in the world? I do use it for that stuff. Kind of what's trending. What's going on? Hockey stuff. I follow all those like insider guys. Yeah, it's nice yeah. for that. Hey, gotta so. gotta ask you really really quick. Uh, you said you follow it for news and stuff. What about uh, sure. the World Cup of Soccer? Do you care about that at all? I, you know what? I actually do, Chris. So my family originally is from the Netherlands. So I tune in when, when Holland, I guess, or yeah. the orange, as we like to affectionately call them. Are, Big orange. Are yeah. in a major tournament. Yeah. So we got a, who do we have coming up? We just beat, oh man. See? Oh, yeah. Oh, oh, hold on. Oh, hold on. Dear. I'm, I'm all hold over on. it. You, you, you have Argentina coming up. You have Messi. Argentina, that's who it is. Messi. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> On I think that's Saturday, so that's Friday. going to be or Friday, Friday Fri- night. Yep. Yeah, it's going to be a tough one Friday. So, all right, yeah, I so, do I do follow a little bit. Canada was in it too. Yeah, got our first ever World Cup goal. Um, Alfonso Davies, our golden boy from Edmonton, Alberta, actually, he got our first ever World Cup goal. But yeah, we didn't we didn't get a we didn't get a single point, so we crashed out. But yeah, 
I love the World Cup, and I love in whether it's the men's or the women's, and I've been sure. I, I can't get enough of it. And uh, in my line of work, um, the uh, Hispanic uh, television station is on twenty four seven at the office. And so, uh, like earlier today, Portugal beat the heck out of some, uh, I forget who they played, the, whoever it was, it was uh, some poor victim. There, there you go. The game yeah. was like six to one. And all I heard was the announcer, goal. And even his voice started to crack a little bit because he was saying it so dang much. Holy uh, smokes. All right. So from the Netherlands, or we've got some Dutch heritage. Family. Dutch heritage and family still lives there. Yeah. Really? Uh, my, uh. My family immigrated, well, actually, just my grandpa immigrated uh, to Canada in the, that would have been, what would it, would have been, in the 70s? Really? Like that. Oh, wow. Yeah. So, I mean, pretty recently. We're not talking like the 1870s. We're talking about the no, 1970s. No. Just, yeah, just my, just my grandpa actually left Holland. He wanted to, you know, find the wide open spaces of Canada. So, he immigrated, but the rest of his family all stayed behind, and they all... They all still live there. So all right. uncle cousins, they all live there. So you're following the World Cup. Give us uh, give us a prediction. We, we won't hold you to this. I mean, we got Croatia, Brazil, Netherlands, Argentina. They're playing on Friday. And then Morocco, Portugal. Morocco, the, the darlings of the tournament now that they beat Spain. And then yeah. England, France, the big heavy hitter on Saturday afternoon. So uh, who's who's going to walk away with it all? Okay, so let's go to pick, we'll pick the semifinals then. So I love the Netherlands, but... Some part of me wants to see Messi win the World Cup. Yeah. Just so that he can say, like, you know, I won the World Cup, Maradona, I've got so many goals, like, I am the greatest of all time. Because a lot of people say that he's not, but he's, I mean, he's a freak. Yeah. So I think Argentina will beat the Netherlands. I think Brazil's going to beat Croatia. Portugal will beat Morocco. Portugal's a, they're a wagon. Yeah. And then, oh, man, England and France is a coin flip. I think England wins that one. Really? I okay. Think, I, I think England will, yep, I think they'll win that one. Might go to penalties, though. So then what would that be? What would that be? That would be Argentina, Brazil yep. in one semifinal, and it, Portugal, England. England in the other. Yep. Woo. Man. Golly. It'd be kind of a shame for that Brazil-Argentina game to be the, the semifinal, yeah. but uh, wow. I know, because Brazil is good. It's their tournament to lose. They got so much talent. They do. They're uh, they're they're sick. They have no structure whatsoever, hey, but they have so much talent. Yeah. They're so good. Uh, I think Brazil will win that. They're just. I mean, they just got so much talent. Yeah. And then I I think England is going to beat Portugal. I really like England. I think they're they got a player uh, Jude Bellingham, just this young English kid who's unbelievable. Yeah. I'm I'm going to go them. So that'd be an England Brazil final. And I, I think Brazil will win it. I honestly, I, I just think they're too good. Yeah. But yeah. I could be wrong. I, no, they're, I, I think Brazil has to be the favorites. I wouldn't, uh, I, I wouldn't mind uh, seeing either I, Netherlands yeah, or Argentina. You put me on the hot seat. Let's see your, come on. You, no. oh, you go me oh, your semifinals. Here, here we go. Here we go. Semifinals. So, so I'll take Brazil over Croatia. I'll take, uh, okay. I'll take the Netherlands over Argentina. Um, nice. yep. I'm, I'm, I kind of think, uh, the Netherlands and some of that defense is going to, uh, overshadow sure. Angel Di Maria and, uh, Lionel Messi. I think yep. Portugal is going to smoke Morocco. And then I think France is going to take care of England. Killian Mbappe oh, okay. is, uh, he's, he's yeah, sick. <laughs> he's, ha- he's having himself a heck of a tournament. So that yeah. would be Brazil, Netherlands. And I think Brazil will take that one. 
um, nice. just because they're they're offense. They're all offense. Yeah. They are the uh, yeah. <laughs> it's it's the run and gun. It's the who who who's who's that? They're they're like the L.A. Kings. Yeah. Yeah, or if we liken it to football, they're the air raid offense in college football. That's right, the Kansas City Chiefs of uh, <laughs> yeah. right now of, yep. of World Cup, and then uh, so I'd have Portugal, France, and I think France will take uh, will take care of Port- Portugal's run is going to come sure. to an end. Um, okay. I think they've I think they've used up a lot of goals today against um, Switzerland. Yeah, they did. And then Brazil versus France. Uh, unfortunately for France, I think uh, it's good for France that they get to go back and defend the world their their title in the World Cup final. Sure, but Brazil is going to just smoke them. I I think go. they just yeah, have agree, yeah. way too much talent. Way too much they talent. They do. It, it really is theirs to lose. I think. Yeah. Um, so what would that be? That would be the final. Uh, have they played the final before? France and Brazil? They must have at some point. You would think at some point. Pele and, you know, years ago for Brazil, because Brazil won four or five in a row. And France has won, I think, two? France has won twice. 2018 in Russia and 2002? Or is it 2006? I I, I don't know. I just know they've only won twice. Mm -hmm. So... I was glad to see the Germans out. Glad to see Spain out. Yeah. So sure. uh, glad to see some of the, uh, you know, Uruguay, some of the old reliable, some of the standbys. Glad to see some new blood. And uh, did USA do what you thought they'd do? They did. I, you know, I was, yeah. I, I didn't. They were, I, I thought they would get out of the uh, group stage, but then they were going to just, you know, not. They don't have the the horses uh, to to advance yeah. in the in the uh, knockout stage. So. Yeah. They just don't have the talent. Yeah, I mean, the, let, let's let's call it what it is, right? USA is fairly new to uh, world class soccer, sure. and yeah. um, you know, these look at all the Brazilians. They're they're playing yeah. in you know the Premier League or La Liga or the Bundesliga. Same thing with yeah. the Netherlands and Argentina and England and France. All those guys. They're, they have their yeah. their teams are just they're, they're peppered. Playing in the top leagues in the world. Yeah, they're just peppered with those European super leagues. And you look at U.S. and Canada and even Mexico, and they're playing yeah. MLS or in the Mexican league, La Liga. Yeah. And it's yeah. just um, you know we're, we're we're they're in their infancy in in terms of uh, creating a, a huge soccer culture. So, anyways. Hey, I digress, and I did't mean to. Uh, I just, I, I just, I, I'm glad. I, I'm glad we hit it though. I had no clue about the Netherlands. I tell you, here another yeah, story, yeah. really quick. 1984, no, not 1984. 1994, the World Cup was here in the U.S. I went to every single okay. game down in Dallas that they had. There were six games. Dang, nice. Got to see Argentina a couple times. Got to see Bulgaria back when they were a nice. thing, and um, the the quarterfinal game that we saw was Brazil versus the Netherlands. And we ended up in a uh, restaurant in the West End that, unbeknownst to my wife and I and the folks that we were with, it was the unofficial uh, headquarters for the Big Orange, the Netherlands. And so the whole place was just over. And and I'll tell you, Curtis, I can't say the name of the restaurant, but it was a restaurant that was already orange to begin with. It had a lot of ladies walking around in skimpy orange things and owls everywhere. And... um, but the Netherlands just took the place over, and it was a blast. It was an absolute blast uh, being That's around awesome. just 
soccer fan. So I'm really looking forward to. I love the World Cup. I'm looking forward to it in four years. Yeah. I so, was say, are you going to go to Dallas? Like, you, you gonna try to get some tickets to do that? I will go anywhere. Dallas, Houston, nice. Vancouver. Kansas City. I think it's going to be a city too. Kansas, Kansas City. City. Uh, yeah, it's what games. Vancouver, Toronto. I think I'll go anywhere in in the U.S. and uh, Canada. I don't know that I'm yeah. too keen to go down to Monterey or Guadalajara just yet. So uh, they, uh, I think they're expanding too. How big the world cup's gonna be i think they're bringing more teams too that's right there'll be 48 instead of 32 yeah so yeah. uh that should be fun but it's it's a great awesome. time and i'm sad to see it go um but uh i always enjoy it when it's yeah. here so yeah, all right hey awesome. we digress a little soccer talk thanks for listening to the wchl <laughs> podcast thanks to curtis johnson for his uh, mulligans and his prognostications and for putting up with me and my bs and thanks to everybody for your support of the WCHL and of ACHA Hockey. We do this because uh, the kids don't get enough credit. Look forward to uh, seeing you at the rink, and we hope that everybody stays safe. we got one more weekend of hockey before we take the uh, holiday break, so stay safe. We'll see you at the rink. <laughs>